there, all things Montessori community. I hope everyone's doing all right. Believe it or not, we're still in quarantine. It's almost May, oh, crazy. Um, but I hope you guys are, are doing all right. Um, our episode today is all about geography. Uh, so we tackle another album and Jamie and I really talk through kind of all the aspects of it. We didn't even cover all of it because it's a huge album, but um, you know, we, we talk through experiments, uh, economic geography, the sun and the earth, you know, God who has no hands, that huge, great story we launch elementary with, you know, we, we really get into it. It was so fun to talk about geography and completely made me realize and remember how much I love it. Um, so I hope you guys enjoy. If you have any questions, of course, always email us, um, all things Montessori pod at gmail.com. We love getting your emails. Um, and always send us a message on Instagram too, all things Montessori. Um, and, uh, thanks for continuing to listen and support us. Um, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Hey Jamie, how are you? Hey Rachel, doing pretty well, doing pretty well. Yeah. Yep. Still at home, staying safe. All of yeah, that. We're, it's almost May. Isn't that fun? It is almost May. It's a. Uh, mm-hmm. It's kind of hard to believe. I know my birthday's next week, and um, I didn't envision myself celebrating my birthday in a quarantine when this all started. I thought, oh well, by May, of course, we'll be done. Yeah, we were yeah. talking. <clears throat> we were talking with some friends, neighbors yesterday about how. Um, when, you know, the first order came to work at home, uh, everyone's, you know, set up temporary at-home workspaces, not really thinking about the long term of it, just kind of thinking, oh, you know, just, you know, not conscious about it, thinking a couple mm-hmm. of weeks or something. And here we are, you know, five, six weeks later, um, and those work-at-home desks aren't quite as comfortable and the chairs aren't quite as comfortable, you know. Um, mm-hmm. You didn't, we didn't quite think about this long haul but it no, is we didn't at all it is yeah. where we have to be so um, it is yeah I had the thought that my husband and I could work from home in the same room when this all started out and while I, I mean I I love him obviously but that lasted about a week and then <laughs> it's like I have to go I can't see you all the time at work and then at night and then not be able to go anywhere else. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's just a whole different, whole different world, but you know, we're all, Mm -hmm. we're all still happy and healthy here. So that's a good thing. And, uh, and uh, able to, you know, get lots of other things done around the house. So that's good too. Yeah. Um, There's lots of blessings like, you know, hidden in this really, really scary time. There is, there is, a lot more space for us to do those things that usually life is too busy to let us do. So that's a a really good point. And I, I think, um, it's, it's good for humanity to slow down. One of my absolute favorite benefits of this, um, of this pandemic is that, um, the environment is, is doing great. So that's, that's one positive thing that we're helping our earth. Right, right. So, but um, but I thought we thought today we'd take up another album and mm-hmm. uh, talk about geography, uh, some of the basic principles, but then also 
um, how that can be, particularly in this time, uh, adapted or supported at home um, so that, you know, parents can help children explore and be excited. Um, I think as a as a trainer and a consultant in classrooms, I can, you know, oftentimes when I go visit classrooms, I, I see a lot of math and language. And geography is one that is often less, less evident on a day-to-day basis. So um, I, I'm a big proponent of, of bringing this work into the classroom and this kind of exploration and how parents, you know, parents can support that right now at home too. Yeah, I think geographies, you know, I'm just reflecting upon my own teaching experience. Uh, It's a really intimidating album because there's a lot of things you need, or at least your mind thinks you need for it. I remember um, setting up my classroom and just really getting stuck in the geography section because especially with the experiments, which is the children's probably their most favorite part. There's a lot of things that go into that. Um, and then especially like, what if you don't have a water source? What if you don't have a backyard space? I mean, there's, there's a lot to think through with the geography, but I will say once you do get a system down, you'll notice more and more that the children choose geography a lot and they love it. And, um, and geography can filter into as everything else in Montessori can filter into a lot of different other subject areas. And it really, I think it completes the whole classroom. Yeah. You know, I mean, and I think that's a really good point that when, um, when you see, when you have the environment prepared, children are going to choose it. I mean, it, it makes sense, right? When you've, when you've gotten all the materials they need, when it's all present in the classroom, they're going to choose, they're going to choose that. So it is, but it is, you're right, Rachel, I've heard that exact thing from numerous other teachers that it is an overwhelming preparation to a certain extent, because there are lots of little, lots of little details. Um, Even for the first story, we tell the first great story, there's, you know, six demonstrations. Exactly. And I remember being like, oh, my God, I have to do this the first day. (laughs) Right, right. I mean, it is, it is, uh, there, there are a lot of little pieces, but there, once you really can get your mind around it and start getting that material in there, it, it, it's it's logical and it becomes straightforward. But yeah, it, it can be a little overwhelming. So um, we hope that this will inspire those of you in classrooms to be thinking about this as you're away from your classroom. You know, you can you can pull together, start, you know, building your your Amazon list or your or other lists of things of, um, to build those supplies that you need. And um, at home, some of, you know, some of the things, some of the demonstrations or the ideas we're trying to present to children are, you know, kind of with general kitchen items. So um, it's possible that you can even do some of these explorations at home. Oh, absolutely. I think, you know, when you're in training or even, you know, during your first few years of teaching, you want it to be just perfect. Um, but I think there's a lot of substitutions. There's a lot of, you know, you don't need to like, get the exact right, you know, thing for this experiment, unless it's, you know, going to be a chemical reaction. Of course, that's something. Um, but, you know, there's lots of liquids that don't go together. You know, I mean, you can sort of uh, improvise, I think, in a lot of areas. Um, if you just sort of 
do some some research and, and things like that. Um, if you, I remember, um, I couldn't find um, in the great story um, in God Who Has No Hands. There's a part where you turn, um, and I think in my album it said little BB things, like little beads. But it was for mm-hmm. I, I I can't even remember what it was. But I remember I could never find what that was, <laughs> and so, but I I improvised and I got these little little stones and it was fine. It it, it didn't mm-hmm. matter. But, mm-hmm. but in my mind, that was a big deal because I wanted it to be perfect for the children. But as long as you're getting the point across, as long as it's clear, you're fine. That That's, that's really all that it is. Right. And that concept we want to get across on that one is that we want the children to imagine the state of, of a liquid. And it's like the little particles in a liquid just roll over each other. Mm-hmm. And so we want those little, those little spheres, you know, little babies or little ball bearings um, to roll over each other to help the children's imagination think about what's happening because a liquid is so, so different from a solid. So that's a, a really interesting way that we approach some of these scientific principles uh, because we're approaching it from the standpoint of sowing little seeds of knowledge or giving the children little uh, images of concepts uh, uh, to prepare their minds for the systematic study of science later. But early on, we want them to to have the you know these kinds of images and an understanding of the of the idea or the concept or the law. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when I studied geography in school. I mean, it was all about, you know, the states, countries, things like that, like how, how, how that is, um, how our world is made up in that way. Um, and the way Maria Montessori designed the geography album is quite fantastic. And it it really does call to the imagination of the elementary child. Um, when, when geography, I think can be misconstrued or, or, or misinterpreted as sort of boring, you know, almost like, oh, it's just mm-hmm. about, you know, rocks or, you know, and that's sort of, you know, to be honest, that's kind of how I felt about it. I felt the same way about geometry too. And it's just because I didn't experience it like Maria Montessori, you know, you experience everything in the Montessori classroom, especially when you're between the ages of like six, seven, and eight, when you're first starting, you are experiencing the concrete concepts that she's talking about. And I think she really, really does that in geography. Um, and it's all just hands-on learning, you know, just, right. you know, it's hands-on, it's visual, it's right there. It's almost like you're in, you're just encompassed by it. Um, and that I will say too, you'll never forget it, you know, in, in that way, because you're experiencing it almost with your whole body. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, and it is, you know, it is, it is different. We call it the geography album in our Montessori work, uh, but it contains, a variety of sciences, mm-hmm. right? It's right. got geology, oh, yeah. earth sciences, physics, chemistry. It's all it's all there within what we call a geography album. And then there's also the exploration of physical and political geography right. as well. So there's a lot there's a lot that's happening in the in the geography album. Um, and you know what we're really helping the children to see in the elementary is that we start with this great story of the formation of the universe. And we want to tie sort of all their, you know, subsequent knowledge in the sciences to, 
to the universe and how it relates to the laws that things, you know, follow and uh, throughout the universe. Um, so it's a, it's a sort of, from that standpoint, a really different approach mm-hmm. um, to science. Um, but, a, you know, one that really completely responds to uh, children's development. So when, you know, when they're at this age, they want to use their imaginations to think and to understand. And they, they love the vastness of the universe. That's, you know, that's what Montessori saw, that, mm-hmm. that that's what can appeal to children of this age. So we give it to them. Um, we give them the whole universe and then we start uh, exploring some of the details within. That's right. Yeah. We, we, we really, we started so vast, you know, and, and it, it's so big that, you know, you can't even wrap your head around it, but it, you know, every time I've given God who has no hands, um, you know, it's like, they're just so eager for more. And it doesn't matter if they've heard the story five times, they are still there. Um, you know, cause you're always going to invite children back, you know, every year, even if they've heard it before. Um, and they just, they eat it up. <laughs> they love it. Um, and you're right. And then we, we start, we start to dive down into, you know, the smaller details, um, you know, starting with things like the formation of the earth and the earth's layers and, and those sorts of things, you know, more, more concrete um, concepts that the children can, can then start to understand. Um, but it's really important to start with that, that big, that big universe, you know? Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then explore, how things settled, mm-hmm. how liquids settle according to their weight. You know, this is these kinds of explorations can happen at home as well, where you where you pour different liquids into one another. We use, yep. you know, molasses, right. oil, and water yep. to see um, to see how how liquids settle based on based on their weight. Um, it's, you know, it's pretty a, an incredible thing to watch. Wow. That one's heavier. It pushes through to the bottom. Oh yeah. I mean, that experiment alone is, you know, it, it's sort of a gift that keeps on giving because I find that, um, they're always fascinated by it. And molasses is just a funky liquid. So if you, next time you're at the grocery store, if, if you're still going, or I don't know if you're getting delivery or, or, or anything, if you can go in the baking section and get molasses, I would definitely recommend that. Um, for your elementary child. And, and, you know, obviously you're going to have water, hopefully um, of some sort. Um, Yeah. It's a great experiment and it's, and there's a lot of discovery that can happen with that. And then it can lead to, well, I wonder what this other liquid would do, you know, and then it just sort of goes on from there. Yep. Yep. So we can explore the different states of matter. You know, we, we, we -hmm. talk about this in the context of how the universe form, but we also then explore each state of matter in isolation, um, ju- or at least solid liquids and gases, how temperature can affect them, um, how they behave, you know, so um, solid particle, the particles of a solid really like each other, you know, they, they it takes a tremendous amount of force to separate them. Whereas the salt, the particles of a, a liquid, they're so accommodating. They just let things pass through and they just go back to where they were. Um, <laughs> part of what we do when we when we tell these stories or these ideas to children is we do um, occasionally, you know, personify or or attribute 
uh, emotions to some of it because it it makes the story or the concept really fun for the children. Of course, they know that water doesn't have a consciousness, mm -hmm. but what fun it is to play a game of of thinking that way about how those how those particles are are following their laws. So, so that's one technique that we apply throughout the way we approach um, all of the things in, in uh, the work we do with elementary children, but that sort of fairy tale, fantastic or, or anthropomorphizing um, of different things to, to capture their imaginations and their interest. Yeah. And they're at the stage of their development when they can handle that. You know, we wouldn't do this right. in primary, you know, cause they, they need to be focused on, you know, what's real, you know, in, in their environment. And, and once they hit that second plane around six or seven, like they're, they are, they well, they, they know the difference, you know, between the fantastical and the real, um, you know, and, and they like to get lost in the fantasy. I know I did as a child and I've seen it with elementary children. I mean, it's so fun to imagine. So yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, you could make a states of matter presentation, super, super boring, which I feel like is how I was presented it. Um, you know, because it's, it's not all that exciting unless you make it exciting. Right. And so, yeah, Jamie, just making, you know, having, that's hilarious what you just even said about water being accommodating. Like that made me laugh and I'm not an elementary child. Right. It's just, it's funny and it's, you know, it, it makes it more enjoyable and the children can have fun with that too. Um, yeah, it's just, some, yep. it's something and it also makes it really fun for the guide as well to sort of, you know, right. dramatize and, and, um, and make those fun stories. Yeah. And of course, like in our in our albums or the work we do on a training course, we have these ideas presented this way for and they really appeal to all the children, but particularly to the young children. If I were working with older children, uh, then I'm going to shift the presentation slightly, right, you know, where right. we will get into the scientific detail of of what's going on, really what's going on in these different states and what makes that possible. It's not the consciousness, of, <laughs> right. you know, it's not the, right. the decision to be accommodating or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so when we present these first, you know, Montessori said our job is to sow seeds, sow these ideas in the children, you know, the fertile imagination of the children and, and support them to germinate. And part of the supporting of these ideas, once we've, we've tossed them out there is to, um, is to nurture it with, you know, with greater scientific depth as they get older. So, so we certainly will respond um, as the children need and as, as they, as they gain more knowledge, but the introduction is, is really sensorial. Like you said, we do a lot of demonstrations and experiments and we, and we are going to try to really inspire their imaginations because, you know, all of these different things that we study in science, a lot of it we have to imagine. When we present the sun and the earth to the children, we talk about the relationship between the sun and the earth. Mm -hmm. They can see the sun, but they have to imagine the fact that the earth is moving around the sun, right? Because it doesn't look like that's what's happening. Right, right. <laughs> exactly. And it's, it's, it's a very abstract thing to think about. Um, and, and even to be rooted on the planet right now and know that the earth is turning, it's, it's really, mm -hmm. it's, that's tough. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I remember I, you presented this, I think on the course, Jamie, when you just 
you keep turning the earth and going around the sun and like you keep going. I feel like you did it for like a minute, <laughs> but they need that much time to sort of just see that you're it's continually happening, you know. You know, I don't know. Well, to be honest, Rachel, the adults need it more than the children. I almost. know. <laughs> <laughs> In my experience, yeah. the sun and earth is a tough one. But if um, at school and at home, if you have a globe of some sort or even a sphere yeah. that can represent the globe mm-hmm. and you have a lamp that you can take the light, the shade off and just use the light bulb to stand as the source of, you know, as, as the um, sun – you can do this work um, uh, of the um, the sun and the earth and helping children to see how that gives us night and day, how that gives us, um, you know, the the how the tilt of the earth works with with that to give us the different seasons as we move because it's so nice. Even if you just had, you know, I don't know, like a a Nerf ball or a styrofoam ball on a on a skewer or a knitting needle, you can tilt that uh, so you can see that how the Earth's axis is tilted. And when you have that against a light source, you really can see, oh, wow, when when the northern hemisphere is tilted toward the sun like that, you can see the the night and day is, you know, the the days are longer, the nights are shorter. Obviously, we're getting more of the sun's energy at this time, and so it, obviously we're going to have summer when it's warmer. I mean, some of those basic ideas are so clear with that demonstration. Um, and if you're uh, interested in doing that at home, there's a great resource um, on, I think, the which I've said before, but thecrashcourse.com has has a great little video about it that could guide you in in setting up that demonstration at home. And there's lots of exploration that can happen about the relationship between the earth and the sun and how that impacts our seasons and the temperature zones on the planet. All of that can emerge from that exploration, mm-hmm. which, of course, the children love to do in the classroom and uh, certainly is possible to explore at home. Oh, sure. That's a that's a really good that's a good one. Um, absolutely. Um, and it, it, you're right. You just need some sort of spear and a light bulb. And, and yeah, it's definitely mm-hmm. doable at home, of course. And and some of you might have to brush up on your knowledge of it. it. was This was one area that I remember in my own original training. I didn't remember learning any of that. I mean, I knew that the earth went around the sun and I knew a year was 365 days. I had that basic, but the tilt and the understanding oh, of seasons. And why we have solstices and equinoxes that I didn't. I had no idea. I didn't remember learning. Mm -hmm. And so that was something I learned on the course and continued to learn through my career with children. And um, and it's wonderful to be able to understand. But if you don't really understand it, that's okay. Um, (laughs) It's possible to learn it. Yes, it's possible to learn it. It definitely Um, is. Yeah, I had that was a total refresher for me, too. Um, And just. Uh, it's so beautiful. Yeah, I, I knew that there were things called equinoxes, and I knew about the solstices, of course. I was in an acapella group in college called Solstice, um, and I didn't really understand what it was until I took Montessori training. So that's fun how life just uh, – anyway. Um, yeah, but, you know, just that that huge idea that we are going around that orb in the in the sky. 
the sun. And then you can really, your, your child or you or, or your class or whatever, you can observe, right. The, the season's changing because we already had spring come right now, you know, but we're going to go into another season change, you know, in about a month and a half or so, um, into summer. Um, and that, so that's another great opportunity for observation, um, to watch that. Happen. That is if you're in, if you're in the Northern hemisphere, oh, right, right, if you're right, right, right. In, in the Southern hemisphere, globally, sorry, but there's other seasons there. You're <laughs> heading, well, you're heading into winter. Right. And if you're listening to us in a, anywhere near the equator, we know that um, seasons don't change like we experience. But that the nice thing about these demonstrations is that no matter where you live, so I live in the Northern Hemisphere, so I'm, you know, quite regularly orienting to that or orienting the children to that, no matter where you live, it helps to explain why you do or don't have these different um, seasons or why your temperature, you know, Mm -hmm. is the way it is, why we have variation in temperature or not variation in temperature. So wherever you are, make sure that you're centering it on the child's experience. And then you can explore, you know, elementary children love to to think, oh, you know, right now we're headed toward the longest day of the year where we live. But, you know, in Australia, they're headed toward the shortest day of the year that they do. You orient to where the children are, but then they love to think about how it's different in other places on the planet. So mm-hmm. these are fun, really fun conversations to have with children and especially as they are, you know, far more aware of the global community that we are, uh, it can be really fun to to explore the different different places on the globe with them, Absolutely. with sun and earth, and with other things. I mean, we we can do that too with our interdependencies and economic geography work. Yeah, and especially right now, I think we're all sort of we're we're a little bit more globally minded, you know, right now because mm-hmm. we're all sort of united by this common, common enemy, uh, good old coronavirus, um, you know? And so I, I think more than ever, we really are thinking of, wow, what's going on there? Or, you know, we're all sort of united by that. So that's something that definitely you want to explore. Um, and what Jamie was talking about, the in interdependencies and in economic geography, um, those are pretty simple presentations, um, especially in the beginning. Um, and, and there's a lot of room for that right now. Um, you know, just thinking about where, where things come from, like, you know, like we do a presentation on where bread comes from and how many people and how many steps it took for you to eat that piece of bread this morning. And right now, a lot of those steps and people and all of that is sort of it's, it's hugely impacted. Um, and it, it, it can also help, you know, you, your child or whatever, you know, have just a huge amount of gratitude for all of that. It almost makes you take a step back and be like, wow, there is a lot that, you know, went into my breakfast today, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. and now one of the things I've been trying to do is visit more farmer's markets, um, than the grocery store, um, just because I know that, um, you know, farmers are, you know, hurting right now and um, in, in certain areas. Um, and also it's just like a less populated area to go. Um, but, you know, thinking about what all of the things the farmer produces right now um, and how it's vital that we're, we're all getting that um, and, and what their jobs are. Um, 
yeah, there's just so much exploration and, and specifically right now, um, to understand, you know, all those essential workers, so to speak, you know, all the work that they're doing. Um, right. So I, I mean, like at home, these are just conversations you can have and mm-hmm. you could draw, um, little pictures of, of all, you know, if you think through like all the people who, uh, you know, got you the bread that you're eating or whatever. Um, even if you made your own bread, how did you get the flour and the yeast Mm -hmm. to do that? Um, and that sort of thinking through, we, you know, one of the big themes throughout all the work that we do with children in Montessori elementary is a theme of gratitude. We're, we're really grateful to, everything in the universe that it's following its laws and doing what it's supposed to do to maintain the harmony of the universe. And we're grateful to other humans, um, the ones we know and the ones we don't know, both living now and in the past that have helped us to be able to have the life that we live today. So it's a good time to think about gratitude for others, for all those essential workers that are continuing to do their jobs. So the rest of us can continue to live. And um, I think it, that's a great sort of interdependency lesson or discussion that that teachers could have if they're doing remote instruction right now, or parents could do with their children at home. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it ties right into an exploration of economics. And, you know, elementary children really like to explore how our economy works. And, um, you know, we're we're really heightened to the issues with our economy right now since a lot of our economy has had to stop has had to stop working mm-hmm. so those are things we can explore with the children too like what is produced where in the in our country in our state um, and you're seeing news stories of of the problems with production and consumption right now where where you know food is being left to rot because, it's not being sold to restaurants and it can't get anywhere else. And so some, I mean, with, with young children, maybe you don't want to explore those too deeply um, yeah. or anything that might be distressing. But for the older children, that kind of thing is really fascinating. How can we live in a world where where some people aren't eating and we're throwing away food uh, mm-hmm. because we can't get it there? These explorations of our, our economy are really interesting. But even as simple as just seeing what's produced where, what are we not getting because it's produced somewhere else? Um uh, how, you know, how do, you know, how do we have trade partners or what do we import and export? Those are great explorations that children could be working on at home right now um, and and has, you know, real pertinent um, value based on what's what's going on. Oh, um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, especially now. I mean, there's there's ample amount of ways or avenues to go down and explore. Um, and, uh, it's, it's also just what a skill to learn about economics and all of this at a young age. Um, and, and, in sort of in a crisis right now, you know, this is, this is, it's not good what's happening. Um, and, and it, it could be pretty, pretty fascinating for, uh, an elementary child to, to dig into it. But yeah, I agree with Jamie, definitely the older, older elementary children. It's a bit scary, even for adults right now to to really really look into it well Montessori with those presentations too when she was really talking about economic geography and the interdependencies of sort of all nations in the world she really wanted 
children to kind of get this sense. I mean, when you look at the volume of trade and how how things are imported and exported, it is almost like a circulatory system. You know, she really saw it as this this deep interconnectedness around the world and that we have to be conscious of keeping that system healthy, mm-hmm. um, which, of course, it's not right now, but this is, we're kind of out of the ordinary, but mm-hmm. how do we work, look and think toward health? And um, right. and those are questions that especially older elementary children do like to ponder. They don't get quite as scared as um, as we might as adults. They don't have as much sort of life experience to make them have the ability to think of more worst case scenarios. So they can just be really straightforward and problem solving about it, which is great. It's a great exercise for yeah. them. Yeah. Um, but other things, what other things can they do in the geography area? We were chatting before this. So um, one of my, my personal favorites of this album is The River and um, All the Work of Water. Um, and it's April, so April showers, and it's going to rain all week, um, wherever you are. It's going to rain all week here, but you know, wherever you are in the world, hopefully you have some sort of water source or, um, or you can have a globe or a map or, or something where you can, you can look at water. Um, or maybe you go out and find a small creek or water. Um, right now, that's, that's something that I find that children are, elementary children are, you know, pretty excited about all the time. Um, I even remember when I was like eight years old, I made a river in my backyard with one of my neighborhood friends and I didn't even go to Montessori school. So I think any child right now is going to be excited about the river. So the work of water is something that is pretty concrete and something you can just go outside and and look at. I, when I was in the classroom, I always used, we actually had a, a dry Creek bed in our outdoor environment. So I could, you know, fill it up and, or if it rained, we'd go out and I always used a real thing outside. I think you did too, right, Jamie? You said that you used a... Yeah, I usually I usually showed the work of water with a on a hillside across the street at a park. Mm-hmm. Um, or you can do it in a gutter, to be honest, in the, in the middle uh-huh. of a city street uh-huh. if it's been raining and there's water. Because what we want the children to see with the work of water is we want to see them to see that the that the river carves, carries, and deposits. Mm -hmm. So even in a street gutter, you could, you know, pour a little bit of dirt or or rocks or some other things into the gutter so that you can show that the the water is carving that away, carrying it, and depositing Mm -hmm. it Mm -hmm. at the bottom of the street or down the drain or whatever. You don't want to flood the drain with debris, but you you (laughs) can give that, you can give that sense. And so, um, So we start the work of water with that presentation where they really think about, you know, the job of water is to fill every crevice and it flows downwards and sometimes sideways um, a little bit, but it also carves and carries and deposits and that can launch exploration into studying different rivers of the world or or looking at local rivers, or oh, yeah. looking at how water and land interact. Mm-hmm. Yep, and you can look at erosion, all of those sorts of things, the negative impacts kind of that, that water's had. Um, it's, it's sort of infinite. Um, yeah, you know, water is ice. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a great experiment that you can do with children if you have a glass bottle that you don't care about at home. Um, fill it to the very brim with water like to the very top and put the lid on 
and then uh, wrap it in a plastic bag and stick it in the freezer. And, you know, I water does this amazing thing when it freezes and it expands mm -hmm. and you'll see that the bottle breaks. And so the children will see that. And then we can talk about the impact of ice on the land in terms of erosion that um, when it's within aspects of the land, it can it can erode the land away. And we can talk about the power of a glacier and other things. So, you know, there's lots of ways to that we explore these exciting concepts with the children and um, and a lot of them totally doable at home. Yeah, um, they really they really are. I mean, I think a lot of it, you know, um, especially work of water right now, you know, just going outside and and experiencing it or, you know, maybe filling up your bathtub and you can I mean, this isn't work of water necessarily, um, but you can make waves in your bathtub or or things like that. I don't know. Um, That's totally work of water. Oh, I know. But How? I was thinking I was thinking about the moon. I was like, it, there's a lot of things going on there. <laughs> um, you can but you can totally explore some of that or put some sand or dirt in a bin mm -hmm. and see how waves erode. So some of this exploration of what water does on our planet is really uh, fun to do at home. I would say I would say one thing to keep in mind that we do in the classroom when children are introduced to various demonstrations, the first time we do it, the adult does it and shows the child. And then when we're ready to have the child start doing it, they're going to do it, you know, alongside of an adult. So there's supervision and guidance in, you know, the appropriate sort of um, approach or scientific seriousness to it all. And then once we feel confident that they can do some of these demonstrations from start to finish, we'd step away and let them do it independently. So it's something to keep in mind at home um, if you're going to try to do any sort of science experiment. Yes, of course, we want the children to get their hands on it, but also it can cause a lot of frustration if they end up sort of losing control and making a big mess or getting, you know, out whatever emerges and then mm -hmm. maybe you don't feel like doing it anymore yeah. as an yeah. adult. <laughs> so you, what you want to do is be sure that you're guiding and scaffolding until the child is capable of doing it independently from the setup all the way through to the cleanup. And that just takes um, assistance and support until you can see the child is is ready to handle that independently. Otherwise, you you just need to be there guiding and supporting until until they can. Yeah. And, and once they can, then, you know, it's sort of, it's, it's such a benefit, right? Because then they're going to be occupied and they can do it anytime. Um, but it's important. Yep. It's so important to lay that groundwork and those expectations because um, I've learned this the hard way. If you don't set mm -hmm. those clear expectations up front, you know, it's really hard to kind of backtrack. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're paying for it for a long time after. You are. You um, are. And yeah. It, yeah. So I think that's just another thing to keep keep in mind. We can exp we explore the work of air. So we explore how air works on our planet and mm -hmm. impacts the water cycle and it impacts um, the winds. temperatures and, and winds and currents. And currents. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So those are different things to explore. And of course, anything else that that is um, exciting for the children, anything else that they find interesting, let's, let's do a little bit of research and plant another seed for them to help, you know, help them further that interest. If they're really interested in gravity or plate tectonics, I mean, we've got little, we've got little presentations to get them started, but we certainly want to keep, keep that interest alive and keep supporting it. Um, and I think that's the biggest thing I would 
say to parents right now at home with children is do whatever you can to keep them excited and curious. That's mm-hmm. the most important. Like whatever we feel like we're losing in terms of instructional time now doesn't matter as, you know, the the specific skills as much as if we lose some of that excitement and interest. So if you can keep your children engaged, if you can question them, if you can keep them exploring, that's going to help all of the guides when they get them back in the classroom, much more than whether they've conquered some particular, you know, math skill or something. So true. So, so, so true. Yeah. Engagement and that, that passion, you know, that spark, that's, that's the most important thing. Um, well, I hope this inspired some of you guys. I definitely feel inspired. Actually. I love geography. Um, it's so fun to talk about it. Um, and, and it really is applicable to the home and, um, you know, I hope you guys, you know, I hope this was helpful. Yeah, I hope, I hope maybe you bring some of it to your, to your distance learning or um, whatever. And if you have questions, don't, don't hesitate. Another great, um, you know, you can go online and find lots of experiments and things to do. Um, And there's a set of books by Janice Van Cleave about different science areas. I think they're, you know, it'd be physics for every kid or, you know, there's those, but there's lots of great resources out there. So, you know, any of these kinds of demonstrations that are, that are going to engage the child and present a concept is, is really worthwhile trying to do at this, at this time. Definitely. And, and always, you know, start, start, like do one step at a time, you know, I mean, again, geography is super overwhelming and there's, there's a lot of components to it. Um, but even if you just start off with that liquid experiment we were talking about, um, how yep. liquids, you know, settle at different weights and, and settle according to their weight. Um, that's something that's pretty simple. Um, yeah. So yep. enjoy geography, everybody. And if you have any questions, always reach out to us, send us an email or, you know, DM us on Instagram. We love hearing from you guys um, and everybody hang in there. Yeah. Take care.